Baruch of Hashem, we are learning Bavakama Dav Kuf Yud Beis. We left off on Dav Kuf Yud Beis, all the way on top of the Amid, top line, Rav Ada Barahava. Before we go on, let's quickly review two arguments, two Machlekesen, that we had on Dav Kuf Yud Aleph Amid Beis between Amirayim. And what will be mamish amazing is that the Gemara is going to start quoting various Braises, and we'll see how the Tanoim wrote in a more general way. And each Amaira interprets the Braisa according to his opinion, according to his Shita, the Shitasi. So firstly, we learned the Machlaikas regarding someone who robbed or stole an item, let's say food, and a third party consumed it. As an example, the Mishnah gave, a person gave it to his children, but it really doesn't only mean children. And now that which was stolen is not here, it was consumed. So the opinion of Rami Barchami, as we ended off yesterday, is that a third party will never be liable to compensate the victim when the item is no longer here. We're speaking about in a scenario where they didn't even know that the item was stolen. Obviously, the robber will have to compensate. Rab Chizda, however, said that there are certain times when the victim can choose to demand the compensation from the one, from the third party, even though they were, so to say, innocent. And that has everything to do with Yish. If the original owner already gave up hope of finding or get, receiving back the item, the item that was stolen, then he cannot go to the third party. He can only go to the robber, to the ganav, to the thief. However, if the third party consumed what, the food before the owner, before the victim gave up hope, as we learned yesterday, according to Rab Chizda, That's one argument. Now there's another topic. And this topic will be when someone, God forbid, stole something, and he died, he passed away. And now the children inherit the father's estate. Here, the item that was stolen is here. The question is, are they obligated to return it? And that has everything to do with the following. That number one, if the original owner already had Yush, and the number two, which is the argument, whether we view Yerusha as a buyer, is an inheritor, a purchaser, did this item undergo a change in ownership? Was there a Shinoi Rishus? And that is indeed the opinion of Rami. Rami holds that Rishus Yerush is like a Rishus of Alekeach, so being that you have Yush and the Shinri Rishus, the heirs don't have to return it, even though it's Ben. And that was actually, that appears to be what the Mishnah that we learned yesterday in Dav Kufi Dalaf Ahmed Bey says, that someone robbed and he left the article for his children as an inheritance, they don't have to return it. And the Mishnah's wording seems to be referring even to a case where the item that was robbed is still here, still Ben. Again, based on the fact that there was both Yish and Shinurishus. Rava disagrees with Rami. Rava holds that a Yoyrish, an inheritor, an heir, is not like a purchaser. The item that the father stole did not undergo a transference of domains. And we are learning our entire sugya according to the opinions that Yish, Bihdi, just Yish in itself doesn't allow the father to acquire it. So Rava holds that if the item is Be'en, the heirs have to return it even after Yush. What is the Mishnah referring to? That was the Dechik of Rava. The Mishnah is referring to a scenario where they already consumed it. And once it's already consumed, that's where they don't have to return it. And again, 
that's the Machlekes Rami and Rab Chizda, whether that's according to Rami even before Yish or according to Rab Chizda only after Yish. So having reviewed these two arguments of Daf Kufyud Aleph, again let's take up Kufyud Beis, Amid Aleph, top of the Amid, top line, third word, says the Gemara Rav Ada Barahava Masni Lohadu Rami Barchama Aha. That the version that we had is that Rami Barchama learned as then from our Mishnah that says, as we just mentioned, that if the father, he niach lufneim the Yerusha, even though the Yerusha is Be'en, the Mishnah says they don't have to give it back. And, that, and from this, Rami proved, Rami Barchama proved, that once there is Yush and a Yerusha, Yerusha is like a sale. So now it underwent a change of ownerships. It's under someone else's dominion. So therefore, they don't have to return it. However, Rav Adabarahava says that Rami's din was learned from the following brais. It was not learned from the Mishnah, but it was learned from the following brais. It says in the brais, If a father passes away, and the father had lent money and charged interest, the borrower returned the money and the interest. Now let's not confuse interest with theft in the sense that the borrower gave it willingly. But the Torah prohibits a person giving and a, pro- and a Torah prohibits a person receiving. The Torah even prohibits the scribe making the document. He left the father at Ibis. And now the father passed away. Even in the case where the children know that these monies are the monies that the father received as interest payment. They don't have to return it. Unlike their father, Midoiraisa has to return it. Children don't have to return it. And on this statement said Rami Barchama, ah, you see, that a heir is like a purchaser because Rami felt that if we were to view Yerusha as Rava does, that the children simply take the place of their father, but all of the items, the estate doesn't go to a new owner, it stays where it is, then he would have felt that just like the father needs to return, the children have to return. Now Rava as we just spoke out, disagrees with Rami. Rav and our Mishnah say the Doichik, that our Mishnah that says that the heirs don't have to return this article, that the father robbed, that's only when they already consumed it. Because Rav holds, if it's Be'en, even if the owner had Yush, since Rav holds, Rishus Yerish is not Rishus Likeach, he's Mamash, an extension of the father. So Rav holds that when his father robbed something, the father has to give it back. So how will Rav explain the din of the Braisa? If the father has to give back ribis, which he does, as we'll see in a moment, why wouldn't the children have to? So Rabbi Amar, I'll tell you, my opinion is correct, that Rishus Yerish is not Rishus Lekeach Dami, the heir is Mamash, the father. The Shani, here by ribis, it's different. Why don't the children have to return the interest to Amar Kra? Because this holding of interest is based on a Pasik and Parshas Bahar. Where it says in the Torah, don't take from him, meaning from the borrower, interest or any increase. And the Torah really continues, be fearful, be in awe of Hashem. So that your brother should be able to live with you. The Torah is basically saying that when people pay interest, they can't live. And that's exactly what interest is. That people don't notice it. Another month, another month, another month, you took a loan. A hundred dollars, before you turn around, you loan the person a thousand dollars. It's unlivable. So the, says the Torah, why does the father have to give it back? 
the father has to return the ribiski hecham the neche bahadach in order for him to be able to v'chai imach v'chai imach for this for the other person to be able to live with you. In other words, Rav is saying, how can you b'chal compare ribis with gazela? Theft is theft. Theft. The person didn't want you to take it. You stole it. You robbed it. Ribis, the borrower gave willingly. Why do you have to return it? It's gazela sakasif. Even though it was a willing party, and b'chal, when it comes to monetary laws, I can give you a gift. I can forgive a debt. Normally, the rule by money is. We can make any agreement that we want. If we both did it willingly, it's valid. But here the trader was machadish. Even though both parties are willing, you have to give it back. Who did the trader demand to give back? The father. So the, the father has to give it back. Rabbi says to the son, the trader never says the son has to give it back. It has nothing to do with Rishus Yerish, Kirishus Likeach. Lidi day for the father himself, Hashem says you got to give it back. So therefore, it doesn't contradict Rava saying he agrees with the Braisa, a child does not have to give back ribis, even though Rava holds that the Yiddish isn't the place of the father. Says the Gemara. Now there are two versions of how to read the Gemara. We will not read it the way it's written in the Bach. We will learn the Gemara the way it's written inside. That man the Matan La Braisa, those which is Rav Ada Barahava, that learned that Rami Barhama learned his din from the Braisa, called will certainly hold that Rami, when he read the Mishnah, used our Mishnah as a for sure proof that he's right. When the Mishnah writes that if the father robs something, the father dies, that the children don't have to return it, even if it's Ben. You can only explain it based on the fact that the Yodesh is like a Lekeach. So there was Yiyush and Shinarishus. However, the Gemara says, The version, which is what we learned yesterday, that had that Rami... You learned his din from our Mishnah, would hold that Rami Taka would not be able to prove anything from the Braisa. Because indeed, what we just learned regarding Rava makes sense. This Braisa doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the topic of Roshus Yerish. The Braisa has to do with the unique rules of Ribis, in which the Torah says, even though people are willing to do it, the whole Ribis doesn't make sense. Bakhlal, when it comes to rentals, if I have a car, can I rent to you my car? The answer is yes. Schirus. Think about it. Why isn't that ribis? Because what, what's a rental? I'm giving you my car for 30 days. You're paying to use it. You're giving me money to use it. And then you're giving me back my car. So the trader, for some reason, says money cannot be rented because the people who do take interest, they look at money that way. Money is an item. That they're leasing, that they're renting. I'm giving you this, you know, you need, you need money, you need capital. Money makes money. Here's a million dollars. You're going to give it back to me, but not now, in a month from now. Give me rent for that. The whole thing is a gazeta sarkosif. And the ikir is that every party is doing it willingly. The trader says, you're not allowed to do it. The trader says more, if you did it, give it back. That the trader only said for the lender himself, not for the lender's children. Right. So again, we're going to have various prices. And we're going to speak out the Kitzer, how Rab Chizda, or Rava, or Rami, each one, will understand the Braisa, for it to fit with their opinion. If a person, God forbid, robbed, and the item that he robbed, let's say, was food he gave to his children, or as we mentioned, to any third party, being that now the, art, the item that is robbed is not here, they ate it, they don't have to give it back. Now, one second, according to Rab Chizda, they only don't have to give it back 
when the owner had Yush, as we just spoke out, because if, even if they ate it, it's not the end. If they ate it when the owner did not have Yush, the owner, if the owner wants, if the victim wants, he can go and demand payment from the children. According to Rami, it has nothing to do, even if the owner did not have Yush, since it's not the end, and the children did not know, he can only demand payment from the robber. Vaitir. If the father stole something, robbed something, and he left it for his children as an inheritance, so if the children are adults, they have to pay back. Now, let's halt cup. One second. Didn't Rami just say, So Rami is going to have to learn, you know, when they have to pay back, when the owner didn't have Yush. Because even according to Rami, in itself is not enough. You need to have Yush and Shinurishus. So this b'raisa will be, there's no yush. However, here the b'raisa tells you a new din. That even in the scenarios where the adults have to give back the stolen item, it's be'en, let's go, and the owner didn't have yush, but ketanim peturim shalim, the miners don't have to give back. So Rashi speaks out, if you look where we're at in the Gemara, like four lines above in Rashi, Rashi is the best teacher. That's all right, Rashi is Pasha the teacher, he's telling you, how to understand? Miners, even when uh, the cotton has something that belongs to someone else, you can't just grab it back. You got to take them to a dentator. There are not people that have enough intelligence to be considered people that can be called to a dentator. So you can't do it. Yeah, the item is here. Me, I'm reading inside Rashi. You still have to collect it. And now Rashi adds, importantly, as we'll see later in this Ahmed, that this B'raith is authored by Sumchas. And Sumchas is the one that holds that miners never have to give back. In other words, because you can't take them to a dentator. We're going to see later that the Chachamim disagree with that. If the item is Be'en, and this item is yours, and the robber died, so now his children have it, and they're miners, you can still take it back. That's a Machlekes we'll have later in this Ahmed. Back in the Gemara, back in the B'raith. However, if the adults who we just said who are being told they have to return it, according to Rami, no use, even though the Shinri Shus give it back. But if the adult heirs say, We don't know the reckonings that our father did with you. In other words, maybe our father gave you back the value of it and you accepted it. Maybe you sold it to him. We don't know what the scenario is. If they say that, they're exempt. Asks the Gemara, that doesn't make sense. If the victim is saying, your father stole it from me. I know you guys are innocent, but give it back. And they say, well, we don't know what happened. This is their classical buddy Vishema. And the rule of buddy Vishema is buddy Yadav. If one has a certain claim and one has a doubtful claim, then the certain claim is stronger. Because they say, we don't know. They're saying Shema, they're Patir. So explains Rava, Hachi Ka'amar, you have to take and explain or learn into the Braisa. If the adult heirs say, We know what our father calculated with you. And we know that that nothing that is of yours remained in his possession. We know that our father settled this theft this robbery with you. Ah, if they make that claim, they're potter. Now here the problem is, what gives them that right to do it? Let's make something very clear. If a robber himself says that, we don't believe him. 
In other words, if, if Reuven tells Shimon, you, you stole something, you robbed something, and Shimon says, yeah, I stole, but I already settled it with you. You don't have the right to do that. So why will the children have the right to do it? That's a big issue here. So if you look inside quickly, the second Toysavis, let's read the second answer. The Toysavis says, Inami, second answer in the second Toysavis, that our case is referring to She'ein Eidig Zela, that there are no witnesses to it. That means when the, when the victim is accusing the heirs, your father robbed, he doesn't have any proof. So what gives his kind of credibility? The children's admitting. But the same mouths that are admitting, yeah, we know that our father robbed, but we know that our father already settled with you, so either you believe the kids or you don't believe the kids. That's the case of the Braisa. Back in the Gemara. The Bach adds the words, S. Hagoy Zalmeichel is Bonaf. Again, so the item that was stolen is not Be'en. Paturim Eloshalem. Again, we explained already. According to Rami, Yeah, Yish, no Yish. According to Rabchizda, only after Yish. If the father died, passed away, and he left the item for the children as a inheritance. In other words, the item that was robbed is Be'en. It's here. No matter how old the children are, they have to give it back. Mama, it's the opposite of what we just learned. Why will the miners have to give it back? What's the din of a miner doing damage? What did we learn together? That Miners, even if they damage, even if they damage, can't take them to a dentator. They don't owe you anything. So Amar Papa, Papa says, nah, Hakmash comparison. Miners that damage, you can't take them to a dentator. Here, the item is still here. It's different. That if the father robbed and he, he died, and the item that he robbed is Be'en, here, they're Chayiv. And this is not Sumchus, that's the Chachonim who hold that you don't have to take minors to a Dintreira if the item that was stolen is Be'en. Right? By the way, this is actually Halacha Lamaisa. If something that is mine is in your property, I don't have to take you to a Dintreira. I can go take it. Not only can I go take it myself, I can break your door and take it. No, that's the argument. Is it something that is a, a for, for which a dentator is needed? Or these are the cases where a person says, why should I go to a dentator? Makes sense. I am saying that I know. And that's the din. I can eat, if the item that you stole is worth a dollar, and your door, your lock is worth a thousand dollars, I can break your door down and take it. Done inish din adenafshe in this scenario only. I'm making my own din. We're moving on to another case. Every line here, in yeshiva we can spend a year, and more. Look at this. A father borrowed a cow, let's say for 30 days, and the father passed away after 15 days. Think. You can think forever. No, we have, we're, we're lucky, we're the Jewish people, we got this Biyarusha. What do you do? No, it's a quite, can the children continue to use this cow as borrowers. Or not. Says Rava, The children can use it until the end of the term. And not only that, but look at this. That Mesa, if the cow dies, they don't have to give back the value to the owners. Now, the rule of a shoyal and a mashal, mashal is the lender, the shoyal is the borrower, that a borrower is chayif to compensate even by oinus. Even by Yoinus. 
the children will be exempt by Yanainus. It's like a win-win for the children. It's a lose-lose for the owner. Says Rashi, why? Because Ein Chayavim Ba'in Setz Mamash on the same height, maybe one line above. Deloi Kabilu Alayun Etirusa. Because the concept for someone being chayv to compensate, even by an oinus, is a chiddush. Why is it so? I did nothing wrong. It was a freak accident. Because when I borrow something, that was my agreement. Who borrowed it? The father. So ironically, the children get all the rights from the father. They get the schusen. But they don't get this level of achrayis. Here you have a case where you can have a schus without achrayis. That's Americana Gemara. People like it like this. Now, Says the Gemara, however, what happens in another case? The children inherited the cow. They had no idea it was barreled. They thought it was their father's. And they go and they shecht it and they eat it. Now what? Rabbi says another leniency. We cannot call the children a mazik. If the child is a mazik, you have to compensate. Adam, that's mazik, even Ba'inus. They're not a mazik. It's not even called a mazik because they simply took something that was in the father's estate. Now, if they're not a mazik, on the other hand, they benefited from someone else's property. Ah, for that they have to compensate, but they only have to compensate for the value of their benefit. We had that before. So, for example, in the case of meat, the children can claim, had we known that we would have to pay for this meat, we never would have eaten meat. We don't eat meat. Meat is too expensive. But the sages say that people who don't consume food because it's expensive, when there is a sale, they would buy it. How much of a discount is considered a discount that people would say, even though I don't eat meat, but this meat I'll eat, if it was one-third cheaper? That's enough. So says Rava, Mishalman, Demei Basar Bezoil, that you take that meat, you make believe it was on sale, you know, Vadai, they would eat it, even though they normally don't eat meat, to economize money, and that two-thirds of the value of the meat, they have to pay to the owners. Says Rava, and now this third statement is either qualifying the case of an oinus, or it's qualifying the case of them shechting it and eating it. That if the father left property which is leaned to the to this cow that was borrowed, then chayovim l'shalom they have to pay. Now says the Gemara, those there are those who learned that this final closure of Rava refers specifically to the first case that if they, an oinus happened, the cow died even though the children did not, were not makabal netirusa here they'll have to pay because the land is lean for that and other people that learned this final statement that if they shechted it and they ate it if the father also left them land then they have to give full value of the cow back to the owner will hold of course, because the Reisha is speaking about a case where they did nothing. The cow died by itself. They're less involved. And if even there, if the father left land, being that the, 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 she, the she'ila is linked to the land by the father, so the land, so to say, is the guarantor from the father, so they have to give it back, so called Shechina Seifa. However, if that would be the case, then Rava will not agree with Rav Papa. And that's the key here. When someone borrows something, and the trader says that you're chayv even bo'inus, how do we look at it? One way is, let's say that I borrowed this from you. Let's say this is worth a dollar. That I'm chayv a dollar, right away. That's why I'm chayv bo'inus. Elama, if I give this back, even the better. But if I don't give it back, I owe you the money immediately. Were we to look at it that way, then it makes sense. Which is what Rav is saying. Because the father borrowed the cow. He had land. 
if he owes the value of the item borrowed and the land is lean towards it, which is that's the case in all debts, so then the father's land already belongs to the, to the lender. So that's why the children have to give him the land. Rav Papa says that when I borrow something, I don't owe you any money. The item is yours. You gave me permission to use it. Only if it gets damaged from the moment of damage and on, now I owe you the money. And being that the damage happened not when the father was living, and it was an oinus, and the children did not accept, accept upon themselves to guard it, so that a papa would hold that even with land, they would not have to give him back the value. And however, says the Gemara, there are those who learned it on the Seifa, that Rava only said that if the father left land, and if the children shechted it, that's worse, they did something. They, did, they, they were innocent, but they shechted it. That is where they have to pay him full value based on the father's land. And, but it wouldn't go on the ratio. Because Rav and Rav Papa will have the same opinion. Where did Rav Papa opine? To Amar Rav Papa. Rav Papa was speaking about the following case. If a person already stole a cow. What's the din of Geneva? Chavra Geneva. Chayv to pay back the Keren plus Kefal. And this person shechted it on Shabbos. Now we learned many times together that when a person does one act for which a person is Chayv Misa, you don't get Misa and also have to pay a financial penalty. We also learned that we learned Shittas Rabbi Meir, I think in the Flamid and in the Lamids, Rabbi Meir says, is only said on Keren. It's not said on Aknas. If a person stole it before Shabbos, so then their acting, their Shita, doesn't oblige them to play the principle. The shechita is instead of only paying kefal, if it's a cow or an ox, pay another three times because it's a total of five. We don't say come lebi anaknas. So even though they shechted it on Shabbos, for which the chayv skila, they got to pay the five also. Shakfar However, says if a person borrowed a cow and he shechts it on Shabbos, ah, so we're going to learn the first pshat and Rashi. So, before you chayv the knas, you have to be chayv the principal. The principal, you can't be chayv, why not? Because you're, the same act that is an act of robbery is also an act of chilul Shabbos. If it was done amazing, you chayv skila. So you put it. You, you don't pay anything. You don't pay anything because if there's no keren, remember that? Hashem says pay back four or five times, not three or four times. For a cow who you steal and shech, you got to pay five. If you don't pay five because you don't pay the canon, you don't pay anything. Now says Rav Papa, ah, if you're going to view something that's borrowed, that the moment you borrow it, you already owe the principal, then even if you would check that on Shabbos, you would be chayv. Because the canon, if you would learn that the chayv of the canon comes when you borrow it. If I borrow this from you and I already owe you its value, Elamaf, nothing happens, I can give it back to you. So then even if a person borrowed something and shechted it on Shabbos, they would be chayv to pay. Is That's not that way. That's Rav Papa. That when I borrow something, I don't owe you any money. The item is yours. If something happens to the item, now I owe you the compensation of that. Let's go weiter. Turn it up on it. We learned in Abraisa, I'm recording a Pasek in Parshas Hashem Gezeilois, the person who... St- who owes money, no matter why, then they swear falsely, exempting themselves, then they are maida, so the Torah says, they should return that which they stole, 
And the Torah adds the words, Asher Gozal, Matamadamir Asher Gozal, says the Braisa, Yachser Kein Shigozal, that you have to return it only if it is Ba'en. Only if it's here. If it's the way you stole it, give it back. Which implies what? If it's not the way you stole it, then you don't have to give it back. Obviously, this cannot refer to the robber. The robber, if the robber steals something and then he consumes it, what, he's exempt? So this must be speaking about a case where a third party consumed it. That's the source. That if I steal something, God forbid, and someone else eats it, they don't have to return it. Because it's not the end. And again, according to Rabchizda, if I did not have Yush, then even the third party can be told, pay back. This plastic is after there was Yush. However, but if it is Ben, if it is here, that means a father robbed and then he died and he left this as a Yerusha. So here we have the Machlaikas Chachamim and Sumchus. So the Chachamim hold being the Lamingtanim, no matter if the children are adults or minors, even if they're minors, you can't take a minor to a Dentaita. You don't need a Dentaita. The owner, the victim says, That is mine, I want it back. You gotta give it back. Sumchus says, why? Because you still have to collect it, even though it's Ba'en, and you can only make a collection through a basin. To have a Dentaita, both parties have to be present. The minor can be biologically present, physically present, but his mind is not present because he doesn't have a mind yet. So you have to wait until he becomes an adult, and now we'll go into this topic with the story that Bar Hamod Rabbi Yirmiya. Rabbi Yirmiya had a father-in-law who had a minor son. So the son, the Bar, of the father-in-law of Yirmiya, he was a minor. His brother-in-law. Now, Ravirmiya's father-in-law, a, a son-in-law doesn't inherit. What happened here was is that the father, the father-in-law passed away. Ravirmiya was trying to take possession of one of the homes of the father-in-law, claiming that he previously had bought it from the Shver, or he got it as a gift. We'll see soon what those proofs would be. And the minor son was not letting him. Tarak Gale, the door was shut. The minor son did not allow Rabbi Yirmi to enter that house. I got a problem. Rabbi Yirmi is claiming, one second, I, a couple of years ago I bought that from, your, from my shver, where he gave it to me as a gift. And the, son is, the minor son is saying, no, my, my Yerusha. Classical issue. Also they came to Rabbi Avin. Yeah, they came in front of Rabbi Avin. Rabbi Yirmi came to Rabbi Avin. So, Amar, so Rabbi Avin says, the son is demanding something that as a given is his. It's part of the father's estate. In other words, there's nothing you can do. As we'll see in a moment, you can't even take him to a Dantaita now, because he's still a minor. So Amr Alei said to Rabbi Yirmiya, but however, I have witnesses. He told the, the Rav, Ravavan, I don't have a document that I bought it. I don't have a document that I, get, I got it as a gift. But we're going to learn, God willing, in Baba Basra, the concept of cheskas, Gimel Shanim, that if someone is living or using a piece of real estate for three years or more, even if they don't have the document, that in itself is a proof that they bought it. Why don't you have the document? Because the person says that I have to keep the document forever. I'm here for three years. No one protested. That's because it's mine. Amalei. So it tells that I've to Rabbi Yirmiya, very nice that you have witnesses, that you have a chazaka. But for that you have to have a dentrainer. Turning to Baldin, can we abase and accept witnesses if both parties are not there? Again, the miter, the gashmis, he was there. But halachically he's not there. He doesn't have das yet. To which the Gemara asks, so Rabbi Yirmiya was fighting, he says, 
We just learned the price. If something is stolen, the item stolen is Be'en, the house was Be'en, then even though a minor is the heir, you can take it from the minor. Yeah, so here he quoted the Braisa. But he quoted the Braisa that in this same Braisa, Sumcha says you can't. So Amalai, so Rabbi tells Rabbi Yirmiya, Halei machloike Sumchas bitzitcha. Like, you're quoting a Braisa and you're ignoring Sumchas. Sumchas in this Braisa says that by a minor you can't do anything. The problem is that Rabbi Yirmiya has a good taina. That Sumchas and the Chachamim, Yachid verabim, you're siding with the, with the Yachid, Amri Rabbi Yirmiya says that Iqbal Kula Alma, that everyone gang up in the whole world, the Koyik Sumchas, to accept the opinion of Sumchas, La'afku'an Lididi, to push me out, why don't we pass him like the Chachamim? So that was an argument that Rabbi Yirmiya is having with Rabbi So Adahachi, as they're having their argument, Igal Gal Milsam, this Din Torah, this question, not because of the gossip, because of the din. It's kishmak. Wow, what's the din? <laughs> that started to roll, and it came in front of Rabbi Bo, and he heard about this scenario. Amari says, Did you not hear that which Rabbi Yosef Bar said in the name of Rabbi Yishaya? If you have a minor who is now an orphan, and he takes his father's slaves, because he's, he's, he has no koyach, so he's taking his army with him, and he's going into someone else's field, and he's telling that other person, that field is mine. Says Rabbi Shaya, we don't tell the minor, we don't tell the presumed owner, you have to wait until he becomes old. You allow the presumed owner to stay there, even though the minor is claiming that it's his. Apparently, that we pass him like the Chachamim. That when the item that's being debated is here, even though the minor is, is a minor, we don't care. So therefore, he was trying to claim that Rabbi Yirmiya is right. So, and however, the minor is claiming that it's his. So Adarab, the minor is the one that loses. The minor has to wait until he becomes an adult. So in other words, Allah is like the Chachamim. Rabbi Yirmiya should get to the house. So the Gemara says, how can you compare one case to the other? And that's the key. Over there, who the mafkinan minei, the minor is the one that's trying to make the change. As far as everyone knows, that other person has a field. A minor comes with his avadim, and he tries to change the status quo. So here we tell the minor, you can't do anything. You want to change the status quo, you have to make a dentoida. Now to your detriment, you're a minor, you can't make a dentoida. Because we're speaking about a case that no one knew that this field that he's claiming belonged to the minor's father. The minor is making a new story here that no one knew of. But in our case, it's the opposite. Rabbi Yirmiya Shved owned that house. Everyone knows that. Rabbi Yirmiya is the one that's trying to make the change. So here we will insist that we do Paschim like Sumchus. Like in the case of the minor son of Rabbi Yirmiya's father-in-law. We don't allow Rabbi Yirmiya to take it. Rabbi Yirmiya will have to wait until the minor becomes an adult. And then, then he'll bring Adim that he was there for and he'll get it. But not now. Continues the Gemara. Omar of Ashi. And as we'll see in a moment, that Rabashi made a statement, the way it's written here, to which Rabbi Yechanan wondered. And that can be. Don't forget that who redacted the Talmud was Rabashi and Avino. 
I googled it, so I don't know if it's accurate, but the Echogezen Darton of the Google, that Ravashi passed away in year 352 of the Goyish common era. Rabbi Yechanan, that Ravashi was born in 352. Rabbi Yechanan passed away in year 279. Rabbi Yechanan passed away many years before Ravashi is born. Yeah, Rabbi Yechanan. No, no, not Yosef Ben Yechanan. Rabbi Yechanan, the Amayra. He founded the Talmud Yerushalmi. The brother-in-law of Reish Lakish. So, Toi, so, so, Rab Ashi, so many people make the version of Asi. Rab Asi said on the name of Rab Shapsi that Mechabudum Edim Shalabis Mebaldin. That you could accept Edim even if one litigant is not pregnant. So, the defendant that is not pregnant, you can accept witnesses. Now, obviously, this cannot be a blanket statement because Toi, but Rab Yechanan, Rab Yechanan wondered, Vichimechabudum Edim Shalabis Mebaldin. If you have two litigants, right? Let's speak about, and, and someone is attacking, you have an accuser, and then you have the nitva, the one who is the defendant. Can you accept Adam with the defendant that is not present? So explains the Gemara, Rabbi Yechanan said, I heard that statement, but then I heard from Rabbi Yechanan a qualification to that statement, that when do we say that? In the following scenario. Look at this. Number one, that the toiveya is ill. You have to have all these conditions together. The Teveya is afraid that if he'll pass away, his children won't know all of the claims that he has. So they're going to lose. Or, he's not ill, but his witnesses are ill. Or, the witnesses are not ill, I'm talking about the Teveya, the claimant's witnesses are about to travel overseas. That's not enough. So not only is this a time-sensitive issue, because after a certain time, he'll lose it. On top of that, which means that the defendant was asked to come to a dentator. And he's not coming. He's delaying it. So being that it's time-sensitive, and he was given an opportunity, the defendant, to be there, and he's not there, that is weird of Asi, said in the name of Rab Shabsoi, that the basin can be makabal Adam, even though the defendant is not there. And now we're going to learn other such scenarios where we make an exception to the rule and we're going to go into the whole sugya of the procedures that a Beisden does and what happens if a person does come, what happens if a person doesn't come and ultimately, if the defendant loses, when will the Beisden finally give permission to the claimant to take, to seize that which belongs to him if the defendant is not cooperating. So let's go. Under Bar Mitzvah. You had to wait. In case of Rabbi Yirmiya going back, you have to wait, you have to wait. Eight years old is five years, not three years. It won't affect, it won't affect, it won't affect anything because he's, he had a claim right now. He's claiming it right now. Well, it doesn't matter. He goes to Beis. Beis then knows he has a claim. And Beis then told him, in this case, Rabbi Avon told him, you got to wait. Okay, so after the Bar Mitzvah, he said, listen, it was mine. Very good. Another statement. It was said in the name of Shmuel. Rabbi Yehuda said in the name of Shmuel. Again, there are times that Beis then will accept testimony, even though both sides are not present. Again, it's a given. That's not a blanket statement. This is an exception. When did he make this exception? That both sides already agreed to go to that basin. Each side presented their claims. Each side gave their opening statement. And now one of the sides bring witnesses. 
and Basin told a claimant and a defendant. Let's use the words Tevea, the claimant, and then the defendant is the Nitba. So the Tevea and the Nitba already went to Basin, which means the Nitba accepted the authority of this Basin. He already gave his claim there. Now the Tevea has witnesses. Now the Nitba tells Basin, I'm not coming. You're not coming? We're going to hear the, the testimony not in your presence. Abel clarifies the Gemara. But if they wouldn't have started the Dintaira, Matzi Amarle, a defendant, has the right to say, I don't accept this basin. I want to go to the basin in Yerushalayim. Now, we're not learning halacha but there is a certain power that someone who's been called to a Dintaira has. By saying, okay, you want to call me to a Dintaira? Okay, I'm not going to run away from a Dintaira. But I want my Rav. Okay. Tag the Gemara one second. Iachi, the right, look how far, the right that a, that a defendant has to say, I want to go in front of a greater basin, the Gemara is saying, should even apply if they started the Dintaira. Can you imagine? Even though you can argue, if you started the Dintaira, you already accepted it. No? The Gemara is saying, Iachi ki nami, why can't you say, Matzi Amalei Lebezin Agol Lazlino? Says Ravina that here we're speaking about a case, the Nakat Diskami Beizdin Agadol, that the, the local Beizdin sent a letter to the claimant telling the claimant this can be dealt in your city. So now that you have such a letter, even with such a letter, if they wouldn't have started it in Taira, then the Nitba can say, I, I don't, so what? I, I don't want. But now that there is a letter from the Beizdin Hagadol, that says that this should be tried in the local basin. And he already opened up the case. And in the middle, he starts to feel not good. So he starts to ignore the basin. Basin calls him. If he doesn't come, they continue proceeding. They proceed with the Dintaira. The, the local one, even not in his presence. Let's move on. Omar Rab says, Rab, another rule. You, cert- you certify, you notarize a document, even if... And the losing party, the potential losing party, the defendant is not present. Now, we had this a lot, I think in Ksubis, the whole sugya of Kiyum Shtaris. Our sugya goes according to the opinion that you don't have to certify a document. That's shot. I have a document. Two witnesses signed in it. And it says that I lent you money. What can be one of your claims? Muzuyev. I forged it. So, it, me notarizing it, we learned in details there are three ways to notarize it. For example, one way will be that the witnesses that sign, they come to Beisden. Now, whether that is needed, and they tell Beisden, no, we signed it. We're going to follow the opinion that says that it's only needed because that the fact that there's a document, that it's a kosher document, and witnesses are signed, it's as if the witnesses are here. You have to notarize it. So on this says the Gemara, since Rav holds that notarizing a document is only a rabbinic requirement, you don't need the defendant to be present. You got to do it, but you don't have to be present. Rabbi Yechanan says, no. Even though Rabbi Yechanan will agree that Kiyam Shtaras is Midr but the need to proceed in a basin only in front of both sides is so important that even to certify a document, you need to have the presence of the other side. And again, there are exceptions. If the other side doesn't want to come, and it's time sensitive, but as a rule, you need to have both people present. I'll give you the reason for Rabbi Yechman. Because since it says in the Pasuk, we're going back finally to Mishpatim, 
So the dinam of Bavakama regarding a shoyed hamuad, if people still remember that, that he was forewarned in front of a based in and the owner still didn't guard his ox, and it's already gored for three times, now it's the fourth time, or two times, third time. From here we learned that means he was forewarned in front of a basin. And this forewarning and the procedures has to be done in front of a basin. So that's the source. Whenever there is any sort of claim, you got to do it in front of a basin. Again, is only and even even if the borrower is not present, we're only notarizing the document. That can be done even without him being there. And more than that, now we're going into another case. Even if the borrower is standing outside the court and he's shenaying, saying, guys, this thing is not true. Either it's a forgery or I have proof that I paid him back. I'm sorry, if he's shouting that it's a forgery, that's when we can notarize it even though he's not in Basin. They tell him, we're notarizing it. So he's trying to protest against it. He could be inside Basin and it wouldn't change anything. Even though he's not in here, we can do it. However, the E, Omar, but if now the borrower says, I will bring witnesses that will somehow disqualify this document. What do we do now? I can disqualify it, says the Gemara, you give him the time. Now how much time? That's the, what's vague here. So many people say, what is he saying? How will you bring proof? Where are the witnesses? So if he says the witnesses are in New Zealand, it's going to be a question soon. Today it's not such a big deal. But everyone agrees that up to 30 days you for sure give him. Now obviously if he makes the claim that he has witnesses around the corner, you don't give him 30 days. Because to go around the block you don't need 30 days. But there is a certain grace period that is given to the defendant when he's claiming, I have proof that I don't owe the money anymore. But after that time passes and he doesn't bring the proof, now what? So here's going to be the Nakuda. As long as the defendant is somehow cooperating with Bezdin, meaning he's cooperating by saying, hold on a second, I have my own proof. And then later he can say, okay, okay I owe the money, but I don't have the money. I'm going to have to get the money. As long as there's a dialogue with him, we'll see 30 days, 90 days, he can schlep out the neshama, at the end he'll be cornered. And we'll see soon, if we'll get there today, or in Shama next year, if Bezdin feels that he's not cooperating, then they go to the end game. Let's see what the end game is. Well, let's go, let's go slowly. Now, the first step is, I have witnesses that I don't know. So they ask them, where are the witnesses? They're in New York. How long will it take you to get them here? So if the time that he says is a reasonable amount of time, we give him that time. And now, the, if it doesn't come, so if Itaka brings the witnesses, it's good. The first white line on that Kuf Yud Beis Amad Beis. And if he doesn't bring the proof that the document is not valid, so Itaka owes the money, now he has to pay. Being that he, he didn't ignore the Beis. So we don't right away react. First we wait, Bahab. Don't forget, we learned that Bezdin sits right one of the Takanas Ezra, Mondays and Thursdays. So Natrina lay, they wait for him, Bez, hey Bez. Whenever the period of waiting is over, let's say we gave him 30 days to bring witnesses. The 30 days ended on a Tuesday. They don't even begin counting on Thursday. You begin counting next Monday. Monday, Bez, hey Bez, Ilayasa, and if he doesn't come, then Kosvinan Pesicha, Ilave, here it starts. They write a excommunication, excommunicating document, a chedem document. You know, there's a verbal chedem, which is not good. Then there's a written chedem. It's even worse. 
And what's the point of this chedim? We don't want to keep him in a chedim forever. It's just a tool of pressure that they're telling him that until you pay back, you'll be in chedim. And now what? You wait 90 days. We'll see soon why we give him 90 days. The end game is not to put him in chedim. The end game will be that Bezin is going to give to the claimant a document which will allow the claimant to seize property from the defendant. That's also not going to be discussed here. How do you, he doesn't just go in there and take a property saying, ah, this house is the value. Who says who? There has to be objective evaluators, but at the end, he'll have the right to seize. But you don't give him that permission right away. You first give the borrower time for him to get the money. He can borrow money. He can sell his property by himself. Why do we give him 90 days? Explains the Gemara. Tulosan, Kamoi, the first 30 days, we don't, Bezin doesn't allow the claimant to go himself into the possessions of the borrower. Why? So we'll add with the Bach, the Emur, because Bezin says, the, the guilty party is trying to borrow money. And it's a lot better for people to be able to get a new loan and pay back the old loan than to lose their property. Give them 30 days. After 30 days pass, Bezin again has to give them the benefit of the doubt. Mitziah. They don't allow the claimant to seize his property because again, the Emur, the Bach will have the same comment here. True, he couldn't borrow money. We're not going to give him forever to look to get a loan. We give him 30 days. And he made peace. He's not getting a loan. But now let's give the borrower a chance to sell on himself his property. Let him give him the time to sell his property. So again, so for that you give him 30 days. Now what? Why another 30 days? Why the 90 days? Because Bezin is going to say for the last 30 days, we don't allow the, the, the claimant to seize his property because the Emur, Bezin says, maybe he sold his property. But the buyer doesn't have money. So now we have to give 30 days to the buyer to go find money to pay for the property. But if after 90 days, so look how much time he slept. First he claimed, I have proof the document is not, is not good. 30 days. After the 30 days, Bahab. After Bahab, 90 days. Okay, now up to the end of the 90 days. Why the 90 days? We just explained. Now is where Bezdin writes a Adrachta. That's called a seizure document, Rashi Taiches. In other words, Bezdin gives the claimant. You have a document which allows you to go into the property of the defendant and to take with evaluators the value of the money that is owed says the Gemara this Shlepadai is the Amar is only because the defendant is, is somehow co-op co-op he might be playing games he might not be playing games but there was a certain level of cooperation Abel if from the outset the defendant says I'm not coming then we don't put him into Chedim. The goal is not to put him into Chedim. If Bezdin feels he's completely ignoring the Bezdin, we give the claimant a document of seizure. Then Kosfina La'altir. Then La'altir Kosfina, and you right away write the seizure, the Adrachta document. Continues the Gemara of Hanim Milvan. This is only, only correct that you give him the 30 days and the Bahab and the 90 days Bim Milva. That's all because we're giving him 90 days because the defendant says, I owe the money, I don't have the money, I need time to get the money, I want to borrow, I want to sell. But if the claim is not on a loan, the claimant is saying, my article is in your house. What do you mean you have to borrow money? I want my article back. So right away again, you give right away 
a seizure document. Now, right away is not so simple because if the defendant is saying, I have proof that I bought it, you give him 30 days to get that proof. You give him the first time. But after he didn't bring it, then he right away gets a adrachta. And furthermore, and when do you write an adrachta? Only, we're speaking about a case where there's a pikadan den toira. Reuven tells Shimon, I gave you to watch, it's my car, give it back to me. Shimon says, you sold it to me. We gave him 30 days. And, I, and he couldn't bring proof that it was a sale. So now we allow Reuven to seize. You know when you do it, when, when Reuven, when the lender has his own real estate. Abel Amital No, I take that back. Only if the item that is being debated in the Nantoira is land. So Reuven wants the land, not a car. So now he gets it right away. Again, Shimon says it was sold. Reuven says, I only let you to hang out here for a month. I want it back. Then Reuven gets it back. But if they're debating over a car or any of the metaltalin law, then you don't give it a seizure document right away. Why? Because Because maybe Reuven now is going to seize his car and he's going to use it and he's going to devalue it. And maybe eventually the defendant who's shrying, I'll prove to you that it's really mine, maybe he will bring proof later. And by the time he brings proof, the item has a lot less value. When he will bring proof and disqualify the proofs that Reuven had, there will be nothing left for him to, to take. However, the is but if the Malva, if Reuven has real estate, so if later it's proven that Reuven really took something that was not his, if Shimon can collect it from land, it's very good. Says the Gemara of Allahi, no, it's not enough. If they're fighting over metaltali, we don't give Reuven the right to seize so quickly. Even if Reuven has land, because, look at this logic, you never give a seizure document from metaltalin. Even though the lender has mikarke, because we are afraid that the Reuven's land will deteriorate. Now think about it. If they're fighting over land, we're not concerned if the land is going to deteriorate. Because no matter who has it, if it deteriorates, it deteriorates. If it's Shimon's, if it's Reuven's, there is no additional laws because someone went in there. But if they're fighting over Metaltalin, the land is only a backup. We don't, give, we don't use land as a backup for this. When someone, when one side is claiming, I don't owe you this Metaltalin. When we write in Adachterah, we have to notify the borrower. Now, when you, if you, Bezin has to notify the borrower, what's the downside? It takes more time. You already waited the 30 days on the Bahab and 90 days, and now you have to notify the borrower, Bezin, that you lost already and he has a document. Just beware. He can enter your property and seize. Says the Gemara, When does Bezin have to notify the borrower? If the borrower lives nearby. We'll see soon what nearby means. But if the borrower lives far away, based in needing to notify the borrower will be another prolonged amount of time. You already had your 30 days in your Bahab and your 90 days, then they don't have to notify. And furthermore, says the Gemara, and even if he lives far away, but but this person has relatives, or if based in knows of a caravan of people that are going there anyway, so it's not that Beisden has to invest money and time, it's only a time issue. Then you wait up to 12 more months. 
Mashin lay tresa yarkei shato. You know, for the borrower to find out independently that there's a shtar adrachto. Adaos leva osu shariyos. Says the Gemara story that Kihad Ravina, I'll prove it to you, that there was a case where Ravina was a Rav, and Maracha was the claimant. And Maracha claimed that someone has land that's his. And eventually, Bezdin was going to give him a shtar adrachto to collect. But even though they were going to write it, they needed to notify the losing party. The losing party lived far away. So Bezdin waited a long time for, for them to be notified. Until the, bar, the, the losing party who lived in Chayzoi found out. So you see that if Bezdin doesn't have to invest money to send Shluchim there, because Bezdin is going to give over this message with people that are going there anyway, then you wait up to another 12 months. Says the Gemara, don't prove anything from that story, Velohi. That Hasam over there, Inish Alimahava, Maracha was a bully. And the moment Maracha would be given the Shtar Adrachta, and he would seize the, the property, even if later that person would taka bring proof that he never owed the money, he'll never get it back. So that's why they were hesitating. They wanted taka to make sure, and they gave him like this more time. The moment Marach would have gotten Adrachta, that's the end. Even if the other side would bring new evidence. meaning, but normally, normally you don't wait another 12 months. Even if Bezdin has a Sharayasa, even if there are people going there anyway, you wait a few days, which is, for example, that the, the Bezdin gave out with the Psagdin and Adrachta was written on Monday, but Bezdin found out that people tomorrow are going to that to the city of the losing party. So enough time for the shluchim to go there Tuesday. It's a one day trip, that's the max. Which means that the party has a chance to come back next day, which is Wednesday, which means he can be in court on Thursday, proving the final chance for him to bring new evidence that he does not owe. But if it's going to take more than another from Monday to Thursday, then after the 30 days and the Bahab and the 90 days, you give the Shtara Drachta right away. Let's happen another few lines. Om Ravina says Ravina. Hi, Shluchad Rabbanon, Hemninon today. What happens if Bezdin sends a Shliach to tell the defendant, let's say, for example, Bezdin is calling you and the defendant tells the Shliach Bezdin, I don't care about Bezdin. And, and we learned before the moment Bezdin finds out that this guy is not participating, they write a Shtara Drachta right away. How will Bezdin know the truth? Or you can make a chedim, whatever the case will be. Based on the shliach telling Bezdin, I did what you told me, and that's what he responded. He's only one person. So Ravina says, we believe a shliach like two witnesses. However, says the Gemara, if his testimony will only result in Bezdin articulating a chedim, that you do. But if his testimony is going to result based in cannot write the document of Ben because when someone has this document written against him even after he pays back the debt until he pays the scribe of Bezdin the defendant for the charges of the Seifer they will not take the ban away so a psicha will add another monetary obligation on the defendant you cannot add din of the Mamayna without having to weigh them. Give the Mamayna Kamachasalei, the Kabayla Mesavlei, Zuzi Lasafra. So therefore, you have to have two Aidim that tell Bezdin that that defendant said X, Y, and Z, and, and based on 
the testimony, depending what it is, only then conveys in right the ban in Merz Hashem to be continued.